Hello, dear listeners of the SAP Education Podcast. Today with another English episode. Yeah, today we talk about enablement at the center of digital transformation. So different topics, how to yeah get SAP expertise, digital transformation, enablement, amongst others. And there's a pretty cool background story to that, how I came to these two guests, uh, to Laura and Itomeleng. So actually, I guess it was you, Laura, who listened to the podcast about Africa Kommt. Yes. <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah, how you got to know about the program. And uh, some days later, you joined it. But uh, perhaps you want to tell the story and also introduce yourself. Yes, sure. Thanks, Thomas. So, yes, my introduction to the Africa Kommt program was through an episode of this podcast that I listened to almost more than a year ago at the beginning of last year. So I can almost say this is a bit of a full circle moment for me because I think it definitely played a part in me being here. And on this particular episode, there were alumni now of the fellowship that spoke about their experience, what they learned, why they joined, and also what they aim to achieve after the program. And this really resonated with me, but also this... Um, This made me apply and the rest is a bit of history, but a bit of background on me. I graduated as a mechanical engineer, but I soon turned into an SAP consultant. And since 2016, I've been working for SAP implementation partners who focus on deploying specific SAP modules at customers. And I'm very lucky to have been working in various areas of the SAP ecosystem. I started off in more of a technical role where I supported BW for HANA at a customer. And that then moved into Fiori UI5 development where I got introduced to the front end of SAP And that was closely aligned to my next role, which was more in security and authorization. But most recently, I've been focusing on end-use enablement with SAP's product Enable Now. And then I must mention, while this year, I am currently at the SAP offices in Waldorf, and I'm working in the customer innovation and maintenance department, specifically in the CX and cloud solutions team. And here I'm more involved and focused towards quality management and assurance during product deployments at customers. And Itmeleng can... <laughs> Um, so I met maybe to connect uh, how me and Laura met. We met on this program. Mm -hmm. We actually met because before we uh, started the program, uh, we enlisted German language courses back in South Africa. So we met online before we met in person. But I think when we met in person, it felt like we've known each other forever and we've been good friends Um since. And by way of a background, uh, I'll work backwards. Um, currently, I am on the Africa Compt program, working within the global finance and administration organization, and in particular, working in commercial finance, which is, you know, that sweet spot between sales and finance, because this team helps sort of the sales team, you know, shape the deal from a commercial perspective, make sure it's compliant, and it meets all the financial hurdles and the margins and everything that needs to happen. And it's broader than that, but that's that's sort of the main activities. 
And before that, before I joined the program, I was working for a development bank in South Africa, which was state owned. And I worked under the CFO, but I was focused on uh, digital transformation projects. Um, even though my background is I'm a qualified chartered accountant, mm-hmm. but um, I left auditing thinking I'm too cool <laughs> for auditing, but but it really wasn't something I wanted to do and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, And because I'd been with financial service companies, I stayed sort of in that space and in specific in banking. But over time, transitioned, you know, developed a liking for digital transformation. And I did get the opportunity to work in digital transformation projects you know, either working on the operating model design and the financials underpinning that, um, you know, uh, or, or, you know, uh, developing the digital transformation strategy of the organization, or in particular, I know where actually it started. What sparked it was when I joined one of the banks. At the time, they had implemented a particular technology, um, but because the focus was only on the technology and less on the enablement, you know, it became a storm. They even named it Project Storm because what happened is they were losing client monies. They were double paying clients that they shouldn't have. Operations were really not going so well because there was little bit of focus on the user enablement, but rather focus on the technology itself. And we started this team and we called ourselves the Center of Continuous Improvement, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't popular at the time. And the aim was to say, how do we look at, you know, different points across the value chain of the organization and start bringing about, you know, identifying what's not going so well, and then what are the interventions we need to bring about whether it's a training thing or, a, you know, we need to talk more to the technology team to develop an enhancement or, you know, um, there's process inefficiencies. So that's where sort of I'd say my journey that I'm still on towards being a digital transformation expert mm-hmm. started. All right. Thanks. Yeah. For the introduction. I just think it's a great story is how podcasts can connect people, perhaps even can help you on your individual journey. And especially if I talk about journey, perhaps we can look at that. Uh, I think we, we of course, always strive the, the topic of professional education, training, how to become a SAP expert. But it's always good, I think, to hear some personal stories. So perhaps we can look into that or, or Laura, perhaps you can talk a little bit, uh, let's say, why and how you were becoming an SAP consultant. Yes. So for me, it was, I think, a stroke of luck out mm-hmm. of university, but I haven't looked back since. And even though I started at a very different place where I am now, I think what has been nice or stood out about SAP as a software for me is I've never been bored or not challenged in my learning journey. So I think it gives you the opportunity to really learn a lot, um, change even your career path within the same software. And maybe I can give a bit of background as to how I got to SAP Enable now and why my passion now really resides in end-user enablement is I was introduced to it on this last few years of consulting at customers, actually during a Greenfields implementation of S4HANA at a retail customer. Mm-hmm. And the pain point that this customer or the barrier that they were experiencing at this stage of their digital transformation journey was the skills gap that will occur after deployment of the new software or post-go-live. And 
For example, the end users or majority of the end users have at that point not used SAP prior to mm. us starting the development of the project or they might not have known how this will affect the business processes that they were accustomed to up until that point or even how it will affect the day-to-day -day business tasks that they now need to perform in the SAP software. So from an organization perspective, this raised a few red flags. And I mean, from a consulting perspective, you don't necessarily take that into account because you're software focused. But the organization soon realized from not only an adoption perspective, but also truly realizing the value of the digital transformation investment. There were a few things and this gap particularly that was going to hinder this as well as how will because of course we know that a transformation journey is ongoing mm. how will they ensure the quality for the foreseeable future as well as will any of this implementation of this new software hinder them as well in achieving key business objectives that they set out to achieve with the software and I think even though I started as a SOP consultant purely focusing on the software this immediately made me think about more from a the person that will actually utilize the software in the end where do they fit into the big picture and when we look at this as a trend I think um, it is quite a prominent phenomenon in most organizations undertaking a digital transformation we see more than 80 percent of companies feel that they face this digital skills gap or that they see that within the first five years of their transformation they will grow this gap of a skills development that is required and it's also shown that the companies that actually invest adequately in enabling their end users have a three times more likelihood of achieving success in their transformation journey. And these were all things I learned as I became now a part of the portion of end user enablement of a project, which was usually on the back burner from mm. my perspective. So ultimately, during this project, I was then investigating which tools we can utilize because obviously SAP Enable now also has a lot of competitors mm. but then um, what stood out about this tool is and how it was identified is that this truly addressed these pain points that were raised by the organization so that basically led to me being really focused and I hopefully will continue to focus on this in the future on utilizing the SAP Enable Now tool to really address the key pain points that are currently experienced in most organizations during digital transformation. Can you highlight perhaps some examples like deliverables or special pain points uh, which you saw at customer sites? So for example, we usually in our in phase of the project, we have what we call the end user trainings or handover or even training your key users. And what we experienced as well is the trickle down of the knowledge sharing isn't always as efficient as you would project. As well as after your project um, deployment, when you go into a hyper care phase, we mm. experienced um, tickets being raised for critical processes that need to be done and that have been set up for SAP to be able to achieve in your day to day task that the end users probably weren't enabled on and this is not in any way showcasing issues with the software but it's more about addressing how do you really empower your end user to 
achieve what they need to do in their day-to-day activities and also how that can then translate in realizing value. So, of course, this goes into the quality of your solution in the end, meaning your support costs will decrease if the quality of the data that's captured in the system, for example, is maintained or of a high quality. Follow-on processes that need to be done in a whole business process, if that is documented and available for the end user in their flow of work, that of course enhances their whole experience with the software, but also improves key KPIs that the company would obviously want to report on using the SAP software that's been deployed. All right. Uh, you mentioned uh, intelligent user assistance. Uh, did you also leverage that uh, part? Yes, and I think this is something that Enable Now can really flaunt in the sense of when we talk about intelligent user assistance, it is about the seamless way of your in-app help and e-learning content being available for the end user. So meaning it is in the flow of work, it is seamlessly integrated across the products that have been deployed at the customer both SAP and non-SAP products. And this is done with the recently launched SAP Companion, which really embeds the help and the learning content for the end user to be available at the point of need. And that is what is referred to as this intelligent user assistance. But not only that, it also has the aspect of commitment to continuously improve the learning content. So the ability of even after a go live in your run phase to be able to enhance the pre-delivered content. Basically, also you are able to have foresight of where the users are still experiencing skills gaps or where they still require some additional learning because there's continuous feedback on the learning platform. So the user has the ability to raise um, any issues that they are still experiencing, understanding a certain business process or tasks that they need to fulfill. And this gives the consultant or the customer the ability to continuously roll out um, any new updates of the software, any new changes changes that might be deployed that would affect the end user. So it really gives them the ability to have consistent learning available um, in all the tools that they use in their business task or performing their business tasks on the software. Mm. Uh, so, so one question on the uh, adoption more on the meta level. So I, I think if you come from a learning area, you, I think this, uh, this models of intelligent user assistance or performance support, however you call it, I think it's not new. And now, of course, there are a lot of tools, including ours. They really can support that uh, even easier th than ever. But still not all customers are leveraging uh, that so on a meta level. How, how, do you have any tips how to boost adoption of the, such models, not to, let's say, do classroom training or just uh, uh, virtual webinars, but also bring learning in the workflow? Do you have any tips for, for customers or I think what we saw is what was most advantageous for them when we demoed the tool is what I picked up is for them to see what we've done can be enhanced so much more by something so simple mm. by Utilizing Enable Now, you have the ability that even some of your business processes are pre-delivered as part of SAP content. And what this means for the customer is previously they had to sit and create training materials, webinars, PowerPoint documents, share document directories and folders. And this now comes 
pre-delivered either by SAP standard content, but they then also have the ability to enhance this previous or this pre-delivered content and even create their own or embed external documents, but within the application. And for them to see this actually solves just from an alignment perspective, so many issues that we've previously experienced for a lot less effort than we previously had to put in. I think that was something that really stood out for the customer. The customer wants quick user adoption with as little as much, mm. e- little wow. to none effort. <laughs> so I think that was really something that even during a demo, you can showcase the tool really fulfills. All right. Yeah. But before we go or dive too, too deep into the digital enablement topic, perhaps we look at you, Itumaling, uh, and your journey or, and how, how did you become an SAP expert or professional? You, you, you started actually as a user uh, at customer side uh, or? Yes. So, um, my experience with SAP until I joined the Africa Comms program has been on the client side. And um, so it's been limited to, you know, us selecting, I guess, in, in the organizations I've worked for, you know, the software, most of, of my clients, you know, in, in the South African landscape, especially the big corporations, a lot of them are SAP clients, you know, and also in my role as uh, part of the team that is steering the digital transformation strategy of the organizations I've worked for, we've worked a lot with implementation partners to really craft what does that mean in terms of what we currently have from an SAP, what are the things that are coming up from an SAP, how do we leverage sort of that and and how does that translate into um, our digital transformation strategy and the decisions we're making from a technology investment perspective. Okay, so I read also that you had a change manager role or in the banking <laughs> industry. Perhaps we can look at, uh, at that. Um, yes, so um, while I was at the bank, so I worked for the bank for a few years. And, you know, like I said previously, you know, uh, sort of the taste for, you know, this topic of digital transformation was when I headed up the team of the Center of Continuous Improvement. And at the time, what we found is even though we were able to, to, you know, bring about change in the organization, try to smooth out some of the issues we were having. I think because in the larger organization, it was still a mute topic, you know, having worked for such a big organization and the focus, especially when it came to technology decisions, it was more on the technology itself and less on change or, you know, user enablement or, or what that means for us in terms of how we do things. Um You know, and I had the opportunity to actually, funny enough, work in HR. <laughs> mm. I said, okay, I don't want to manage people anymore. I want to work in the business of people. And um, at the time, the bank was divesting from their parent company. And that gave us an opportunity to look at, and we were making a big investment in some HR software technology. And that meant we had to look at what does that mean from a people perspective? What does that mean from how we're structured? What does that mean in terms of what we do and how we deliver to our internal clients, which is the rest of the organization as the HR organization? So as part of the team, you know, that led the change. And I think within change, what that taught me is change is beyond, you know, it, it's, it's so multifaceted, you know, 
the value of starting it so, so early. We know there's the methodologies of, you know, you do a change impact analysis, you know, you look at your stakeholder universe, you know, there's communication, there's, there's but it's so multifaceted and, um, you know, even certain considerations of what does that mean in terms of our delivery model is part of change. You know, how does that interaction between human and technology work? That's also part of change. Uh, you know, how do people feel about it? You know, how do people talk about it? How do they interact with their end customer? All of that are elements of change and we shouldn't, you know, ignore that and, and, you know, hyper focused on that is, is what's central to the success of the digital transformation and less on the technology itself. Mm. Um, you know, and, and so that's, Sort of, um, if I think about the biggest learning for me in this role within the change team when we were implementing the new HR operating model. And uh, if we talk about uh, adoption and uh, all the different method methodologies, so can you try to perhaps summarize two, three success factors in change management? I think it's different in the IT area than yes. in, in general. There are other change so there are a lot of different change aspects. So, for example, IT has less freedom grades or whatever. But can you remind one, two, three success factors? What what strike out for you? Okay, I think for us, what struck out, if I think about the projects I've been involved in, is to embrace the change, but also really, I cannot overemphasize. Take about oh, we've done a change impact analysis, but we we really underestimate what that means, you know, and the change is not just about, again, not just about the software or whatever, but, you know, it's holistically, what does that change actually mean? How, what does it mean to even my end customer? Because sometimes we think about, oh, we're only changing internally within to help us work better as a business or whatever, but it does impact how, for instance, how my sales team looks or pitches in front of the customer. So it does impact my end customer. So it's not only impacting us within the organization. So I think the biggest, biggest learning is let's not underestimate what analyzing that change impact one. And I think also um, tried and proven methodologies like, you know, having change agents. I think, you know, these days there's a lot of, you know, let's not, And when I say change agents, not just about people who know how to use the software, et cetera, mm. you know, but um, really people who are evangelists for the change, <laughs> you know, even at a leadership level. And I think people buy into people. There's the saying of mm. people don't leave organizations, they leave managers, mm. you know, and, and that emphasis on it needs to really come through and genuinely so from, from the top as a learning. And I think also, um, you know, it's like, it's always said that uh, change is here. And I think we, we need to embrace that, but also find that sweet spot between what we call our digital natives who are, you know, they embrace the change, they, they live in change and people who are not comfortable with change and, and, and bringing everybody on the journey and not one size doesn't fit all, <laughs> you know, when it comes to change. All right. Thanks so much for sharing. So I, I just tried to uh, summarize the one was so really analyze the impact. Uh, one was proven methodologies like change agents, creating networks of champions. And the third one was, uh, yes, uh, not don't, one yeah, right. don't leave uh, anyone behind. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks.
my attention of a goldfish. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. All right. Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, and uh, we already dived in a little bit. So we also wanted to look at the business case for this enablement and projects. Uh, I, we talked about like the embedded learning, how that important, how important that is. But uh, perhaps, perhaps we also look uh, can look at the topic of cloud. I think that's uh, it's also digital transformation. So I always say digital transformation never stops. Now it's but it's just different. But it's different. So perhaps we can look uh, into that a little bit, Laura. Yes, maybe I'll start with mm -hmm. that. Um, I think one of the biggest selling points of going cloud is it gives you the agility to continuously improve and being agile and having small changes happening and it easily being available in your system or in your solution. But then from an end user perspective, here I come in again, this needs to be accompanied by some sort of tool or some sort of method of agile learning. So yes, the journey of the cloud is imminent. It's going to happen. It is part of almost every product roadmap. So it is important now to understand that this is a key business case to also make your learning agile. And with this journey in the cloud and from my investigation of the whole purpose of enterprise adoption as a whole, it is in the end as part of this journey to make the organization as resilient as possible for all of these continuous changes and staying with a competitive advantage, also making them sustainable. So keeping the value that I want to realize out of my journey and out of these continuous innovation cycles, the value that I want to realize needs to be sustainable. It's good to have a target of achieving certain objectives and um, KPIs at the end of your journey, but then maintaining that and improving in it is what really differentiates um, the organization as a whole. And then I come back to what I referred to earlier as the third objective of the whole enterprise adoption as a whole is maintaining quality. And at the basis of this and at the foundation of this, I think is high adoption or focus on end user adoption or adoption of the software that's being utilized. So yes, we are going to the cloud, we are using a product that's available on the cloud, but how do we focus on high adoption of the solution? And from Studies, it has been found that this is one of the biggest levers that drives success, even more so than strong project management or buy-in from key stakeholders. It's more so how much did I focus on that this solution will in the end uphold what my objectives was that I, or were that I set out to begin with. So this journey through the cloud is fantastic, but I do believe that it needs to be accompanied by an agile learning aspect as well to again, facilitate this resilience, sustainability, and quality of the organization as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah, I, w I would always say uh, agile working, which is uh, now modern way, especially in IT-related areas, also needs uh, agile learning, which is yes. uh, ongoing, which is experiential. So uh, not just formal, still that's perhaps interesting to have a short tutorial, but also other other stuff. 
Yeah, but, but I also think it's interesting. I, I perhaps I can highlight the article in in the show notes. I just wrote something on cloud mindset, an article, and before that I interviewed different people, and it's just so different perspectives around uh, cloud and cloud mindset. Mm -hmm. Like if you ask an end user, a developer, a consultant, an IT manager. The one says, uh, yeah, more the financial point of view is yes. important. Others say the, uh, yeah, at the agility. Others say the, the user experience. So it's pretty different. And I think that's yes. what you also need to reflect and uh, all need to somehow uh, balance or. Yes. No, agreed. I think this touches on Itu's point of mm. not everybody's change will be the same. Yeah, so right. not, not even every individual in the cloud journey will have the same experience of going to cloud or moving the, Moving to the mindset of cloud. So, yeah, yeah that's why, for example, what many use is this persona based approach that you yes. look at the main personas and look what their pain points and needs are and so on. Uh, all right. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, you want to do a deep dive? Uh, so we talked uh, also around change management already and, uh, in, and digital enablement, but perhaps some more point of views from your side, how digital transformation affects the different levels of people? Sure. So maybe this one uh, I would refer to. So I did my, I recently completed my master's in innovation studies and my dissertation's focus was dynamic capabilities for effective diffusion of technologies in an organization. Um, my study was obviously limited to, because of access to data, was limited to development finance institutions. But I think, you know, um, the topics ring true, especially in our environment within South Africa and organizations embarking on this digital transformation journey, you know, the importance of these um, capabilities that we call dynamic capabilities, you know, and the concept of dynamic capabilities is these um, capabilities or organizational capabilities that enable uh, strategic change. And the concept is, especially now in this VUCA world, most organizations are competitive landscapes are changing. You know, there's rapid change within the environments. Their customers are asking for more and more. You know, their competitor landscape has changed. Uh, you know, there's untraditional, there's disruptors, there's all these concepts, you know. So for an organization to really survive in this environment, they need to have these dynamic capabilities. And that says, you know, and they, they're seizing, there's, there's sensing dynamic capabilities, seizing dynamic capabilities and transforming. So your seizing mm. is, you know, uh, or your sensing is how does an organization, you know, know uh, what's happening in its environment and, you know, that they need to respond to change, that, you know, the timing of the change, etc. And, you know, this lends itself to, again, thinking about the different structures, different levels, different users, you know, how's that organization set up for people to really get together and say, okay, guys, this is what we, we are sensing. This is what's happening. You know, how does marketing in what marketing does feedback to the organization, not just outward looking to say, Hey, world, this is our product offering, but also what's happening in the environment and how are consumers consuming or competitors consuming our product offering or seeing our product offering and bringing that back into the organization to say, Hey guys, maybe we need to take a look at this and change this. So it's not only just the technology team that says we're always looking for innovations about, you know, the latest technology or software or whatever, but also even being ha having users. And I think, you know, some organizations do that very well, even SAP to say, even 
colleagues at all different levels. You should be able to have a mechanism to submit your idea and say, I think we can do things better. I think this we can change. Or I think I have an idea of something we can do or develop or to, to change that really helps us do our work better. Or maybe it's even for clients. You know, so I think, you know, really talking to those capabilities and setting that up for all of that to happen within an organization uh, in an organized way also helps with digital transformation. So that was sort of your sensing, your seizing, then looks at your seizing dynamic capabilities, then look at how does an organization take advantage of those opportunities? So how do we know what, how much to invest and in which if it's technology, how much to invest in which technology? What business model do we deploy at what point, you know, that complements what we're doing in technology? And and again, that's at, you know, how do we make sure that all different levels and cross-functional do we inform that decision and that it is aligned and coordinated? And then you're transforming dynamic capabilities, say, okay, so what does that mean, you know, for me as a business? You know, more often than not, we end up or it's a last thought in terms of your business model going through a certain change to say, what does that mean in terms of internally my ways of work, how we operate within the organization, but also how I operate within the environment I operate in as an organization. So you're transforming dynamic capabilities, say, okay, how do I then reshape myself as a company to respond to all these changes? Um, So I think, you know, just tying all of that together as an organization Mm. really helps an organization to look at firstly address it from every role within the organization, but also systematically within the environment that the organization operates in. Would this be also your, let's say, summary of your research and uh, actually recommendation for companies? But you just mentioned, or do you have others just in one, two yeah. sentences? So, so for my particular mm. research, because it was development finance organizations mm. and within the South African environment, more often than not, these are government owned. Um, you know, so, so some of that decision making is not necessarily sitting within the mm. organization itself and, There's regulatory restrictions, et cetera, but that doesn't mean the organization cannot evolve or build these capabilities outside of that. It's more around how we need to think more innovatively mm. about building that despite the environment that, that they operate in. Um, you know, my findings were that You know, the knowledge is there, you know, especially in this day and age, things are there. Sometimes there's, there's nothing really new outside the sun. And, and one of the definitions of innovation is something, a new process or product introduced to somebody new. So it doesn't have to be new, new to the world, but it could be introduced and uh, newly introduced to that particular environment. And I think, you know, when it came to my research, it was around, you know, these particular organizations, you know, setting themselves up for the success of digital transformation, taking all of those dynamic capabilities into account. Mm-hmm. What I also often see as a innovation is just, a, let's say, a new mix yes. uh, of existing things. Yes. So this can exactly. be also pretty innovative. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right, uh, Laura. So next topic, I think we have one more topic or? Right. <laughs> what, what, my... what did we want to talk about there? For me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think in this topic, 
um, and this is something maybe that I can note, it, it veers a bit away from the technology itself, but it's, I think, something that the program also instills or aims to instill in, in um, its fellows or its participants. And that is, how do you bring about change? And I think in South Africa, we are very, at the moment, crippled by youth unemployment. Hmm. And what I did or tried to do is see where a SAP product can be leveraged to address this. So this is a big ask because this is addressing more than 60% of young individuals in South Africa. And what I found is, and rightfully so, and of course, I can only speak towards from an implementation partner perspective, that partners and certainly most companies are hesitant to give employment opportunities, especially on a software as complex as SAP, mm-hmm. for individuals that have no prior experience or no previous project implementation or maybe in a testing role. And how I then saw Enable Now building a bridge between this and tackling a young em- individual with the necessary skills and drive to want to get into the ecosystem of SAP is that it really, in fact, is one of the few products that I can see has a three-in-one value proposition. First of all, the individual can use the tool if the implementation partner chooses to add it to its service offering to learn about the business process in S4HANA as a product, for example. Learn how the processes are executed using the pre-delivered SAP learning content that Enable Now comes with out of the box. So that's the first portion. It's the upskilling portion of these young individuals. But secondly, while using Enable Now, the individual then has the ability to also learn how to create content using Enable Now. So an implementation partner, for example, can leverage this young individual while they're learning about the business processes to create custom content, learning content specific to prospective customers, maybe as part of their service offering or their scope of business processes that they have learning content for, and maybe create just custom content for current customers that the partner has. So that's the second portion. They can start using the tool itself. And then the third and the most important is, and this is the bottom line of it all, is you are adding value for your customer. So in real time, as the young individual is learning SAP and learning about certain processes and even the Able Now tool, they start creating content that can be deployed at a customer, which in essence for the partner is the most important to add value to the customer, but still giving that buffer of I'm still upskilling an individual to become more knowledgeable on a software like SAP and a vast software, I must say. So I really do think it's the perfect entry point for a young individual to get into the world of SAP and for an implementation partner to still get value out of giving this opportunity to young individuals. So yes, that's my... So it's a double or triple win, yeah, for the... For me, it's a a triple, triple win. Um, But yes, I do think beyond the software, we should also think about how we can and... This again, this is what the program drives to achieve is how can you be then the change? How can what you've learned over the past few years and still going to learn can translate into some sort of change in Mm. your home country? And we talk about change in organizations, but hopefully we can also be ourselves change agents in some way. So 
Uh, yeah, one yeah, one thing is the company side, but also the ecosystem or society, society uh, point of view is pretty mm -hmm. pretty important. And did you already trigger some aspects what you now just mentioned, or is this some of your homework you take with you and uh, wanna trigger when you, when you're back in South Africa? So this has been ongoing, mm -hmm. and I think <laughs> yeah. it too has been a very big soundboard for me as well mm -hmm. for this topic, because I think. The overall value proposition needs to be something that is a business case for any implementation partner to want to want to take on because this is mm. a big undertaking. But the year has been dedicated to first doing that feasibility study, seeing how many implementations are currently addressing custom learning content, not just in Africa, mm -hmm. but also supporting worldwide. We live in a world where we support various locations from various other locations or in a remote way. So it's the year has been about the feasibility study of some, a business case like this. Who will be my key stakeholders? And really, how big is the market that you can address? And how many individuals can you then upskill and really impact and maybe change the trajectory of their professional career, mm. whether it be outside of university or even somebody outside of high school um, that might not have the opportunity to go to a university. Like you mentioned, Itu, we have the skills out there. We just need to tap into it and maybe utilize and make the right investments to really bring about true value for the customer, for the partner, and most importantly, for that young individual. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I think we have some programs at SAP, but perhaps yes. we can take that offside, like the People to Work program. And the Young like Professionals, next so young young professional professional. Pro professionals mm. program. And we also have the Fresh mm. Faces, mm. which is a new initiative, also in collaboration with implementation partners. But with my very unbiased, I wanted to plug Enable Now somewhere in oh, there. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, because I think learning is uh, a great lever in growth, uh, like in professional growth and economic growth and uh yeah okay great great uh, great to learn that and uh, really looking forward on your successes and uh, how that further goes so if we can help anyhow uh, please let me know itomeling uh any any points from you how building the right capabilities in organization uh, or did we talk about everything already um, I think it goes back to the conversation around the dynamic capabilities mm. that I took you through as, you know, as a, as a focus for my study. But, um, like, like you're saying, I think maybe just to add on to that in terms of building the right capabilities, you know, and linking back to like Laura said, you know, she's, we've often discussed this initiative and how to get it off the ground, the support. Etc. I think, you know, one of the key things is also looking at the sustainability of which is something we've been looking at the sustainability, especially, you know, our context is South Africa and, and sustainability of of some of these initiatives like learning, etc. Um, because it's not only just about big focus is obviously user enablement and, and the ease of using that software and the value that it delivers to a customer. But also, uh, you know, how do we then leverage that to also focus, especially on these young individuals, make them holistic people that can operate in, in a wider environment. And I think, you know, that's where the importance of learning comes in and, you know, um, learning and not just the traditional way, but what does learning do for a person? 
and capabilities. I mean, these days we know there's the, what is it? I think it's the skills of the future. I think it's the, I could stand corrected, but it might be the World Bank that has issued a paper around, you know, skills for the future. It may not be the World Bank, but it's one of those world organizations Mm. that have said, you know, in the future, these are sort of the skills for the future. And you see a cross between, some of them are what we spoke about earlier, you know, a cross between somebody working in a creative and technical space and, and all of that. And I think with initiatives like Laura's, it can help build those right capabilities uh, where you have a person being able to operate in a lot of different environments. And I think organizations like SAP play a big role <laughs> in okay. that. Yeah, so perhaps we do a next podcast in half a year if you're back and uh, the program has done further steps forward. So, yeah, I think we, we had a lot of topics uh, to discuss. I think I, I'm through all of the once I noted down before, of course, we come to the home story, some, some closing uh, questions. So, and anything what I forgot to ask, what do you want to highlight? Oh, good. I think we covered. All right. All right. Yeah. Thanks so much. So uh, at, the, uh, at the end of the podcast, we always ask some personal questions, like we call it the home story. So first one is what is your narrative? What is your narrative for change and learning? For me, I would say um, every day has something new to offer. Every day is a school day. There's always something new to learn. But that go- what goes with that is sometimes you need to go out of your comfort zone. You need to be willing to be a novice and a pupil of a subject matter and be willing to put in the effort to learn or master it. And I found it always to be rewarding. So I think that's my mantra. Keep learning. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I think for me, you know, with this experience of spending almost a year now um, in Germany, maybe echoes what Laura is saying around, you know, sometimes we need to be put in uncomfortable spaces. And that, you know, now my narrative for learning is learning really happens in the moments we least expect it to happen. You know, we always sometimes we go into things or into situations expecting to learn something in specific but the actual learning happens when you least expect it to happen and in the from the from you know the last person or last situation you ever expected for it to happen so now it's you know my personal mantra is now i need to be open to Mm -hmm. it you know um yeah what what was your latest big learning (laughs) You mean we besides didn't. German language? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, I think for me, it's, you know, my biggest learning is evolving outside of my comfort zones. You know, it's, it's really coming to terms with, you know, everything is possible. You know, especially like I say, you know, a big thing that has really connected me and Laura is our love for South Africa and really wanting to make things better Mm. in our country. You know, we're not trying to shy away from all the things that are not going so great in our country. Instead, we're invested in learning as much as possible and seeing how we can take that back and be change agents back in South Africa. And I think this experience has showed us that anything is possible. You look at the history of Germany and where it comes from. And, Mm. you know, we are coming into, you know, to us, it looks like everything's operating so well now. And, and it just, and, and when you go to the museums, et cetera, and you learn of the history and where this country comes from, it actually gives me the sense of, you know, hope 
for our mm. country. <laughs> All right. I think my biggest learning was, and I think the program throws in in the deep end, even post-pandemic, we've been used to two years being by ourselves and maybe in your home office or whatever your scenario might be. And then the program started off with 54 individuals in one room and introducing yourself and starting to network and learn everybody's story. And for me, the biggest learning was initially I thought this was going to be an purely SAP experience, come to SAP, see the ways of working. But in the end, it turned out to be a more people-driven experience, seeing the various stories, listening to the various stories, seeing throughout the program the value of collaboration. I think especially in a technical role, you sometimes revert to yourself. You have certain deliverables maybe in a project, and that's the refinements of your collaboration. But I think for me, the biggest learning was the value of investing in others, investing in collaboration. And and yes, truly, the for me, it was meeting, like I say, 54 people in a matter of a few <laughs> days was a steep hill to climb, but it was very, it was for me very beneficial and a very big learning curve as well. All right. So a lot of learning also. And what's on your to-learn list currently? Things you want to learn next month? For me, I would love to build on my project experience, specifically with this theme of enterprise adoption, really build on. I think with learning comes hands-on experience as well. So I would really like to build on my previous experience. And I think that will then ultimately lead into new avenues of growth for me. I think if I look back six years, I would never have projected where I'm now. So I'm assuming for the next six years, hopefully the case will be the same and whatever I undertake or aim to learn, it will flow into new avenues of growth, personal and professional. Um, for me, I think career-wise, it is, you know, really entrenching myself and deepening my expertise in digital transformation. I think I've had the, maybe to a large extent, the luck of being put on certain projects, but really being in that space full time, you know, in terms of my professional career and deepening my expertise there. I think personally, I just, you know, also learning from Laura, because we can learn from friends as well. <laughs> you Always, know, is, yeah. yes, I think it's, it's really activating that creative aspect. You know, she's really good at putting a story together, putting the video together, you know, be, being able to, I can just, I'll draw for her on a A4 page what I'm thinking, and then she's able to translate it into like these beautiful visuals, etc. So I think, you know, at least on a career side, but just learning how to, you know, exercise my creative muscle <laughs> all right so one final question so how do you keep up to date so i already learned you learned from others uh from your network from other people in the program so any other sources what you perhaps can recommend like your favorite podcast books you're currently reading <laughs> yes so i think for me i really learning from podcasts and uh, youtube videos as well so i have seasons <laughs> okay. right i have seasons so my latest season especially when it comes to youtube is documentaries another thing that i realized being on this program is even though we are from south africa we know little about the rest of africa you know or i know that less than I thought I did about Africa. So I've been watching a lot of documentaries about different topics, um, 
that concern certain communities in different African countries. Some of them are about cultural norms. Some of them are just, you know, highlighting social ills in those countries. So YouTube videos, uh, podcasts, definitely. But podcasts, for me, you know, I more listen to podcasts that are just, you know, people chatting about what's happening because I don't really follow social media. <laughs> so there's a entertainment. particular... Okay. <laughs> it's more for mm. entertainment, mm. yes, because, right. you know, there's a particular podcast, you know, in South Africa that I follow just, oh, is that what's happening in South Africa? <laughs> um, and around change management, do you have any stuff? What do you... How yeah, you keep so up to LinkedIn, date? LinkedIn learning. Mm. I, I think because, you know, there's less time to read I you know LinkedIn learnings on different topics especially around different aspects of change management um, so I use those and currently I'm reading a book called how to influence people and uh, I learned on the so I read on the bus so I've decided you know since my bus ride is about 15 minutes long every day I'm going to read five pages on the bus <laughs> and I'm doing well <laughs> all right <laughs> You are doing well. Um, for me, I would, if I, I can echo LinkedIn learning, it's been very helpful. I think it, the courses are packaged very impactful and you can take a topic and really within a matter of 10 lessons, you can at least get an overview of whether this is something that resonates with you and whether you want to take the time to do a deep dive into that specific topic. Then something else more towards SAP, what I would recommend for any young individual is first off, utilize Open SAP, which offers great free mm. courses and it includes demos so you can see the system in action you can hear from the experts you can hear all the benefits and it really gives you also some amazing future product developments and innovations that are happening and also touches on the product roadmap so that you can see if you want to build skills make sure you are in alignment to where the market is also going and where you can see there will be an opportunity to become a consultant or maybe even somebody that supports a specific product. And then, of course, if you want to go deeper, you also have the Learning Hub. And that's also great because it has very detailed ebooks. And even if you then are interested in certifying as the SAP consultant, which is also a great opportunity to set yourself apart when you're first starting in the industry, I think there is a list of valid um, SAP certifications is where I always go. And you see the latest um, release of a certification in a specific module. And within there, you can see what it entails. Is it areas or subject matters that interest you? So that would be my recommendation for somebody that wants to learn some SAP related topics or dive into material of SAP. But then for non-SAP, I think LinkedIn Learning was has been for me a great benefit. All right. Thanks so much. Thank I'm, you. I, I'm fascinated about your passion for learning, for development, for change, especially also to develop and foster this on a society or ecosystem level. So really looking forward. Uh, so perhaps we can touch base again on your, let's say, experiences, what you do there. So yeah, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, uh, thanks so much to all listeners who are still uh, online and uh, listen. So like always, uh, yeah, have a great uh, learning day. If you like the podcast, give us feedback on LinkedIn or other social channels. Uh, of course, we're happy if you rate us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Yo, so thanks so much again and have a great further day. Bye-bye. Thank you.